This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is brought to you by Brooks. You can feel confident wearing Brooks knowing they're running specialists with over 100 years experience in the footwear game. They test running insights and biomechanics with runners of every size, strength and experience to develop premium running products so you can run further, faster and happier. Welcome to episode number 210 of the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. Looking forward to talking running for the next hour and a bit with uh, my two co-hosts, one of them, who's down in Anglesey, the fastest 15k runner on the podcast, Julian Spence. Welcome to you. Thanks, mate. That is a good title to have, isn't it? I was thinking about it today when you did that, because I remember you did that time in the middle of like a 180k week. Big mileage you hit that week, remember? Yeah, I reckon I ran in the morning 7k. Warmed up, so around the lake, and I'm like, yeah, I feel tired. I feel tired today, and um, I don't know. There was just a bunch of guys in that pack. I thought, yeah, I'm going to stay with these guys today, and um, managed to stick with most of them. Good to reminisce. What'd you run that day? Forty-five something. Forty-five oh five, maybe. Three-minute K pace for fifteen K. I watched. Any idea? That was the. That's the secret. Turn the watch off. Didn't know how fast you were going. I don't know about you, Croaks, but Moose cutting out a bit at your end. Yeah, I was a bit worried it was my internet. <laughs> so was I. Oh, oh don't oh. cut out when I'm talking about my best race ever. I know, the listeners missed out. I was just saying, Moose, no one, no, no one actually cares about 15K. It's not a distance. Hey, Ballarat, I was going to get to that. It's not a distance. <laughs> we know they they care. It's Ballarat's AV race. Let's talk 1,500 metres more than 15K. Oh, that's Brad, that's that more was, relevant. That was what I was going to introduce you as, the 1,500-metre man fastest on the show, Bradley Croker from Canberra. Welcome to you. Thanks, Brady. How you going? Good, thanks. What was your time again for 1,500? No, 3.48. Tell us a quick story about it. Where'd you do it? Uh, it was the New South Wales state final, so would have run the heats the day before, and then um, my memories of it was going through, uh, I was basically on 3.45 pace through 1,200, and then I remember getting to like 1.50 to go, and I was like climbing stairs and another guy blew up worse than me. And for some reason, he actually moved out into like lane two with like just over 100 to go. So I didn't even have to go around him. But um, yeah, I ran like 48 seconds for the last 300. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't a pretty finish. But I wasn't a, I wasn't a, like a high mileage runner. So I just didn't have the strength back then. It was purely sort of speed based. What about the day before in the semi or the heat or whatever? What time did you have to run to get into the race? Well, I would have run like 3.52 probably. Yeah, it's a big two days. That would have taken a bit out of you. Yeah, so... Um, you yeah, probably guess... could have ran like a 3.42 or 3.45, like uh, in, a, in a Sydney track course not... or something like that. Mate, not he, 3.38. He had a lot of cracks at 1500s and he didn't did run he? that. 
Not okay. three forty, not three forty-two, but I think you know probably left a second or two out there. What's um, the just, highest quality fifteen hundred meter race you're running? Mm, ran in, um, ran in the like. Well, I think back then it was like the Telstra A series. Oh yeah, um, Adelaide, Adelaide GP. Did you? Um, yeah, yep. Didn't run yeah. very well there, but uh, yeah, I, I ran there in like two thousand and mm, I'm going to say two thousand and five. Yeah, yeah, 2005, I think. Hmm. The old Athletics Australia, like, summer tour, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Did you ever go down to Tassie and run in the 5K, the Briggs Classic, in, like, Jan, Feb? No, I was was meant to in – so I ran – end of 2011, I ran my my 10K PB at Zatapak, and then I was locked in to do Briggs, but then I got injured, like, two weeks before it, so I didn't go down. So, no, I haven't done that one. It's a shame that event doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, people run pretty, pretty quick there. Everyone would come off Falls Creek as well. Like that would be the race that all the big dogs would first kind of show up to. Mm. Why didn't why they? Um, yeah, that's weird. Because they still have like Melbourne and Sydney track classic. Like I think they're all pretty much the same. They've just been renamed, but the Briggs ones just kind of disappeared down at Hobart. Mm. Yeah. Do you ever do any of them, Moose? You've made no, a bit too short for you the track. No, I didn't do any. I watched a few. I watched a few of Melbourne track classics. You know, your mate Collis used to always run well at the 5K too, like Collis and Benny Saint, those guys. Briggs, would come. Well, there was one year yeah. they went real fast. Yeah, they'd run like 13, 15, wouldn't they? Yeah, Dave that, McNeil, those guys. Yeah. I think it was when Benny did, um, I think it was Benny won that one, maybe the real fast one. Yeah, and his old New Balance kit, that was when he was sponsored by New Balance, I reckon. I reckon I can remember photos of it. Anyway, gone off a bit uh, off topic early on, but that's always good fun to do. Uh, Moose, tell us what you've been doing because there's only one run from you on Strava, so this is the time to listen in, Croaks. I love that he's come back though. He's given the giving the listeners a little sniff of Strava again oh, one day. Da- one day. I loved it when I logged on yesterday. I reckon he, he just wanted a bit of kudos. Uh, no, just pump, just be part of the community, mate. Run with the people. But Mondays are my rest day, so I did an elliptical session. Um, yeah, I did eight by two minutes hard by Med Easy on there. And then, hang on. So you purchased the elliptical? Were you at the oh gym? well, no, I was at the gym. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Weren't you looking at an elliptical on Monday? Uh yeah, I, I did go up and look, and I did purchase the elliptical, but it just no. hasn't arrived yet. You didn't so, have to. You didn't have to tell us you purchased it. That was a given. Yeah, wrong segment. <laughs> Why would I go up to Melbourne just to look at it? No, but it was a lot. Yeah. Well. <laughs> no, you no. Purchase if it was no good though. Or, yeah. No, so I was no. deciding between that or the um. The, the running elliptical or the normal cross-trainer elliptical, got the running one, took a punt on it. feels a bit weird, but see how it goes. I'll send a video through when it arrives. That'd it's got nice. to get serviced and everything first. Um, next day, did an hour in the morning and then did five by minute steady, minute easy afterwards. So that wasn't um, too bad. I think I averaged like uh, the, the steadies were maybe – I did it with um, I did it with Ali and Simone. They had a workout in the Torquay Sands, and I just went and jogged around and then found them a few times and did my minute steadies as they were doing their progressive tempo. So they were running about three thirties, three forties. So that's that's what I ran, but got a, got an hour in, which is good. It was a pretty hot day actually. First time, first time I ran in the proper heat and sweated up a bit. Um, next morning, 40 minutes, easy. And then next day, 60 minutes. So I got out and 
think I ran with Ali that day. We ran too fast down in Aries. Um, and then elliptical that afternoon, just again, just hitting the, um, doing intervals on the cross trainer or on the bike. So on Tuesday night, I did a bike workout after the, the run. So I'm, I'm getting the, like the hard stuff done, like the threshold and the VO2 stuff done on the elliptical or the bike and then just running easy for the moment. So Friday, I, I just ran 40 minutes again. And Saturday, it started to feel a bit better. I picked it up the last 10 minutes. So I ran, I think, um, 340s for the last, maybe it was nine minutes, um, just at the end of a 50-minute run. And then uh, on Sunday, it was the Ballerine Rail Trail run. So that's that's a run that Brett Coleman organises, and it's been going for years and years. It used to – it was started as a run – to prepare for the Melbourne Marathon, um, just like as a as a group, semi-organised sort of group run, and Brett sort of took it on. And with all the bullshit like um, liability stuff, now you can't really do a lot of that. So he he organises it properly. It starts down in Queenscliff and runs to Drysdale and back. If you run 34k, or you start at Drysdale and run one way down to Queenscliff, that's 17k. There's a there's a it goes along the rail trail and there's a train that um, runs along next to it for the for the trip. So a lot of people park at Queenscliff, catch the train down to Drysdale and then run back. Um, 17k. So I ran that with Ali and Kieran and that was pretty pretty fun little trail downhill, net downhill, which was good. Tailwind. Nah, it was a headwind nice. actually. Uh, yeah, you could get going. You could get going if it was a tailwind. I've done some big sessions on this trail though. It's it's pretty good. It goes all the way to Geelong and it it used to go well the the actual like organized run used to go from the Geelong showgrounds to Queenscliff. Um I did it back 2009 I think the first time I did it. Ended up running with that day ran with a guy called Paul Martinico. You guys remember him? Yeah, from Sandringham Athletics Club. Yeah. Yeah. So so that was 2009. I did that a couple of weeks before Melbourne Marathon, and earlier that year he'd run 2:22 at Auckland Marathon, I think it was, or Christchurch, one of those two. Uh, and back then, 2:22, like that was the kind of period where there weren't a lot of real fast marathoners. Um, 2009, it was kind of like almost p- post Troopy, post Mona. Well, it was uh, kind maybe. of a period where we had like one or two quick guys, like a Michael Shelley or a Liam or maybe a, a Troopy Jeff Hunt, still. Jeff Hunt. Jeff Hunt. But then there yeah. was like no one until like 2.22, as you kind of say it. Yeah. And there was so, none of that middle group. Exactly, yeah. So it was good to meet Paul that day. And uh, then, but now, like, the run has changed a lot. Um, but, yeah, the trail, we've done big workouts on that. I know Ali and Sinead did a, big, a few big workouts down there on that track before – one of their races, I can't remember which one, back when um, they weren't in the Olympics or anything. But it's a good spot to get down to. This mixture of gravel and asphalt. They council keep asphalting like segments of it, so it'll be asphalt nearly the whole way soon, I reckon, which is a shame because it used to just be all dirt, a, a nice dirt rail trail for like 35K. Mm. Like the one in um, Bendigo to Heathcote, the O'Keefe one. Yeah, 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 yeah. It used yeah. to be like that for sure. That's dirt the whole way, yeah. That's well, not the whole way, but most of it. Is then you go one. Yeah, you got to go on the road for a bit. Remember, like at the oh, halfway yeah. point. At, yeah, through Axdale. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah true. There's a bit of a road there. 
Um, 71K for the week, so progressing. Getting fit. Did you win the race or was it like someone out in front? Mm, it's, it's, a, it's not a race. Oh, so it's a not, run. Yeah, look, Jimmy Dalton won the race. Jimmy, if we're going to call it a race, I used to play footy against Jimmy. He's an old, he was voted the third best player, I think, in the BFL, Ballerine Football League of all time. And he's a gun. Like, he was always a good runner. He, like, um, back in the day, he used to – He used, I used to tag blokes, and he was the bloke who would always wear me out, on, like, during a game. Most of them were pretty unfit, just good local footballers. But this bloke could always run. And I reckon he's run a few good marathons, but left it a bit late, played footy for too long. But he won the 17, and in the 34 – Gee, I think it was a local guy, Dan Wright, who finished first in the 34. Yeah, very good. A few down there, though, for the return of the event. I think about, a, about 200. Yeah. Um, it's a fundraiser for Geelong Cross Country. So 10 bucks entry, and, yeah, Geelong Cross Country gets some relay fees for the year. Be able to afford to pay your wage in 2022. I'm a, I'm a Ballarat Harriers man. Oh, yeah, true. Forget that. I do forget <laughs> that. No, very good. A few more weeks like that, and you'll be pretty fit. Yeah, the, the heart rate was good. I know it was downhill, but the heart rate was was promising on Sunday, and I think a little bit has to do with some like the um, with the, some of the cross training I've been doing. Mm, yeah, you're not mucking around with that, doing workouts on there. Serious. It's sweating. The, the amount of sweat that I produce in that gym, oh, it's, disgusting. it's disgusting. Oh, just these people just stare at the, the gym is a fluff area. Like yeah. people go in. Someone got on the elliptical next to me today, spent two minutes on there. Yeah, they always warm off. up on them, don't they? <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> two minutes? Your heart rate went from like 90 to 100 and then you got off. It's... What about when you're dripping in sweat so much, like it starts falling off your fingers, like running down your arm oh, off your fingers yeah. and then just on the bottom of the treadmill. <laughs> just reminds me of holidays in Bali and Thailand and that where you have to use a treadmill. It's disgusting. Yeah. It is disgusting, and it, it, in this COVID era, the era of like hygiene, me just like with sweat going everywhere, just yeah. all over the machines. I get looked at pretty pretty poorly, but fuck it, it's a gym. Where yeah, they're that's the, what you're there to do. Yeah, exactly. I'm the only one here working hard. <laughs> Everyone else on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, Craig's, what have you been doing? You had um, a good week, actually. Looking yeah. Through Monday through to Sunday. Body body's been really good. Um, yeah. So Monday I met up with Rory Hunter out at Mulligans, and just as we were starting to run, uh, Michael Chapman or Chapo, he was coming down the hill. Um, so he finished fourth at the um, six foot track marathon earlier this year. So the three of us ran an hour together out there. So it was fun for twenty threes. He's the big dog out there, isn't he? The one who's got the course record holder around yeah, Mulligans. He's, yeah, he's the yeah. big dog. We spoke about that. I'll uh, I will get it back at some point. <laughs> I remember when he broke that. Our inbox was just lighting up. Yeah, I know, I know. But he did. Uh, we spoke about it on the run. He's like, yeah, I know that you. I know it was in the middle of like a ten k session for you, but he goes, oh, I had to take it. Like he said, it was just it's just motivating during lockdown. You know, there's not much to sort of train for, so he just tries and takes Strava segments. Didn't so, he name his title of his run or something oh yeah, like King, King of Mulligans or something King, like that? No, King of the North. King because, of the North. <laughs> because we're in North Canberra, so it's pretty pretty good by Chapo. That's pretty good. Um, like then Tuesday we headed out to the track. So a few of the young guys that I was doing sessions with before lockdown, um, I contacted them and said I was going to be heading out to the track. So uh, yeah, we did a session, and I actually really enjoyed the, these types of sessions. Where so the session was three sets of eight hundred. 
200 jog, 400, 200 jog. Um, and there was myself, Ewan and, and Charlie. And so we basically led one set of that each. And so I was running the 800s in around 230-ish. Um, so probably like somewhere around 10K um, effort. Uh, and then jogging 200 in about 50 seconds. So not not like a super slow jog, but just enough. And then 400s probably at about 5K efforts, around 72s. Um, so after three sets, and it was just fun, like only having to lead one set of that and then being able to sit in. Um, it was about 15 minutes worth of work. And then after that, we jogged a lap in two minutes and then did four 400s just off standing recovery. And they sort of ranged about 67s. Um, the last one was like 65. Uh, so that, that felt like best I felt like in a session since sort of starting sessions again. Um, felt real smooth on the track. Uh, the first 15 minutes was like comfortably hard and then um, was able to sort of just run solid salt like the 400s were obviously quick but i wasn't doing them under a, a heap of fatigue because the first 15 minutes wasn't wasn't too taxing um but yeah i like those sessions where you sort of have mixed paces and uh, i think next time i'll probably go four sets of the 800 400 before doing some fours we have so. enough recovery time as well like that 50 is just enough it's not yeah. generous but it's not like a float like, yeah, yeah it's fun like it's but i reckon a lot of training should be at that sort of effort like we were able to chat at the end of each rep but like like you're working but you're not burying yourself mm, yeah um and yeah if you're doing that for 20 to 30 minutes it's a pretty good stimulus i think and it's probably not bad having those four 400s there because you know you're going to get an opportunity to run a bit quicker at the end of the workout anyway yeah so you don't chase a pace in the middle stages of it exactly yeah um so then wednesday morning um got out not that early 8 56 a.m uh, i did 90 minutes 415 so just over 21k and then that afternoon there's um there's a thing called running for resilience so it happens every uh wednesday night at six o'clock and it starts from the pub remember the pub that we yeah, went yeah. to after canberra marathon so it's called doesn't, the dock doesn't the owner um organize it the guy who's well, part of the wallabies yeah so benny alexander he's involved with it but it's another guy who started it up so he's dad so this guy was overseas on like a gap year or over overseas working and his um dad committed suicide um and then not long after that his mum died of cancer and so he actually has started up this i guess movement called running for resilience and it's just i guess it's sort of making um mental health like awareness and just people who are going through a rough time and i've been chatting to these guys for it's been up about two years and i've been sort of meaning to get out there and I said to Viv, look, I'm going to go out this Wednesday night. So rocked up there for a second run. Um, they get about, I think there's about probably 80 odd there on Wednesday night. And like Easy. I didn't, yeah, there's 80 Jeez. people that rock up. Like it's real social. And, but I didn't really know other than the guy who runs it and one of the guys that works at the pub, like I didn't actually know anybody there. So um, I ended up pretty much running on my own because I, I don't know, like I'm not, I'm not the type of person that just feels comfortable just going up to a group and saying, "Hey guys, can I just can I run with you?" So I didn't I didn't know anybody there. So have um, you seen this on Strava Moose? What pacey average? Yeah, like no, yeah, four oh four. Four oh fours. Walks up for a nice social run. Get well, to meet some new people. Takes so, drops everyone. So it's actually like it's a six k run. So it's from the pub to Commonwealth Avenue Bridge and back. But I figured I was running on my own, and I wanted to do, I was going to do thirty oh, minutes. So he so. went further. I ran a bit further, but, but it's not like people just start at all different points. So it's not like you're really, it's not, not a race or anything like that. So no one cares. And then what's really cool about it is when you finish the run, 
the pub actually give like brings out beer. So you basically get free beer when you finish your run, beer and water. People have a chat afterwards. Um, yeah, so if anybody who's in Canberra um, wants to run at 6 o'clock on a Wednesday night, head down to the dock. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to go back, uh, maybe take a few people with me or get to know a few more people there. Um, but, yeah, hopefully I can get there once a, once a month maybe. Um, the, only, the only issue I have is a fair way from – like it's probably 30, 35-minute drive for me each way. Um, yeah. Which is which is a long way when you run it for thirty minutes, but I, I you know I think it's a good thing to support social side of it though benefits. Yeah, there. yeah. Um, so that was Wednesday. So that was a pretty big day, a twenty one k and a seven and a half. Uh, Thursday just got out for um, what ten point seven k at four sixteens, and then I had my first day back at work on Friday. Um, halfway through the day, I was just like, like oh. I'm not going to be I'm not going to be that motivated for a session after work. So I messaged a few of the guys, the young guys that I sort of train with, saying, "Are you guys doing a session this afternoon?" And they were. So I met them at 5:30 um, down at Lake Burley Griffin, and um, myself, Tim, and Ewan. So Ewan's like 19. He's a really good orienteer, and I think he's going to he'll go to world um, world orienteering champ. So the three of us did like a 25 minute tempo um, around the lake. Like it's a little bit. A little bit rolly in sections, um, a couple of little rises, but uh, yeah, average like 325s for 25 minutes. Um, so nothing, nothing special there. I actually just did them in my old Zoom flies, um, the first version of those. Uh, yeah, so it was, it was good meeting those guys because I reckon if I didn't message them, I probably wouldn't have done a session. I probably would have just jogged and maybe done something on the Saturday. Um, Saturday morning, I. <laughs> I got a message from the couriers that my treadmill was going to be delivered on Saturday, but they couldn't give me a time. All they said was that they would call 30 minutes before they would drop it off. Um, and I wanted to run a double on Saturday. So I went out in the morning and I actually took my phone with me around Mulligans, but it was one of those runs where I never felt comfortable because it's like I wanted to try and get through an hour but I didn't know whether my phone was going to ring at any point within that hour, and I'd have to pretty much like run back to the car and drive home. You know that you know that feeling where you can't really relax and enjoy the run. Um, yeah. So yeah, I did an hour at four fifteens. Um, treadmill ended up turning up at like four thirty p.m. So I pretty much just sat around all day doing nothing. And then during the day, I decided that for my Sunday long run, um, I was going to run from my place to Viv's parents' place, which is. Um, like in New South Wales, out of Baiwong. Um, so it's like 35, 36 kilometres away because Viv was staying there on Saturday night with the kids. So I thought, oh, I've never run it. I've never run there before. And there's something about, I think, point-to-point runs that just, I don't know, make it a bit more satisfying or you feel like you're running with a bit more purpose rather than doing like two hours or two and a half hours and ending back at the same point. Um yeah, so I didn't end up doing a second run on the Saturday because I thought, oh, this is going to be like 35, 36K on Sunday, which is like the longest run I've done in 18 months. So, yeah, I headed off about 8 o'clock. Um, I put my phone in a plastic bag and I was able to slide it down the side of my shorts where, like, you normally put your gels because um, I thought to myself, look, if I have a if I have a shit run or I get to 30K and I realise that that's pretty much where, you know, that's enough for me, um, then I'll call Viv and she can come and pick me up. Uh, the problem with this run is it's like a lot of freeway. So from my place is about like 10K to the main highway that, that basically connects Canberra to Sydney. So 12K to there. Then I was like 
on the on the main freeway for like 16k how many lane like freeway is it uh, it's two lanes um speed limit's 110 oh, and but there's lane? yeah there's a massive wide shoulder so for the first like 8k of it i was running in the same direction as the traffic and then there was a point where i could cross over and i was running against traffic um and then yeah tur- turned do off people that usually ride bikes or run on yeah it, it's, they real, do? it's really popular with bike riders um okay. but funny funny enough i didn't see one not not one cyclist um went past me um yeah so I ended up doing Sounds dangerous oh no it's all right like the shoulder's real wide um yeah but i ended up feeling better than i thought like i um 35 just over 35 and a half k at 405s um i took a couple of gels with me um yeah but legs still felt like you know pretty strong towards the end of it and that's yeah my longest run since like may uh may 2020 um yeah so that was was my was a fun yeah it was a fun run it was just something something different it just felt like a bit of an adventure um, yeah, and then was, the week was 130, just under 137k. The boys fit moose. He's getting a race ASAP. Uh, the body look. Him. It's different. Like when my body, like my body's been really good for the last, yeah, the last week. Like I'm actually feel like I'm moving well, and I think the, the fitness is, the fitness has been there. But when your body's just jammed and locked, and it, you just can't get that fitness out. So, uh, like even this afternoon, like off the back of that, I felt pretty pretty good in terms of you know how it's covering the ground so what do we got to, to do to get you to melbourne no i'm not doing anything in melbourne Come on. you can do something <laughs> no, in melbourne. not it's five not weeks in. you just bang out 35k long run a good track session good tempo the race has been cancelled for two years get back amongst the community that's no, all right i, won't be I agree Brady. this is <laughs> this is just pure like pure avoidance tactics yeah you got your two kids who, who can sleep throughout the night and stuff viv i'm sure will be supporting you bring her down as well love viv to get out of down. camera for a little bit of a trip yeah <laughs> and drive down with chuka a couple of days before stay here I, a couple of nights then we'll run, go to melbourne running a 10k in the middle of the afternoon in december does not appeal to me well, what about a half marathon the next morning <laughs> no, a half marathon doesn't appeal to, like i just like I'm just not, come down and get amongst the people. Stand on the sidelines and cheer everyone. I need someone hand me gels actually, Crows, because Carla's going to be like 38 weeks pregnant. Can I, you come like, and do that for me? I, I said to the boys on Tuesday, like I really enjoyed that session. I said, you know what? I get just as much satisfaction out of coming here and running around and feeling good at the end of a session as I would go on, go on to a race, but I, I don't have the – um, I don't know, the build-up sort of nervous energy that you get for the day or two days before a race. Like, yeah, I'm just and, – and, like, like why why am I racing? Like, like I just don't – I'm just not that motivated to race because it's like, well, I'm not going to run 29. I'm not going to run a PB, so I, I just don't care. Just have some fun. Just see how many people we can beat. But I don't find it – but that's the thing. It's like people run for different reasons, Brady, and, like, I don't necessarily find racing – like, I really need something – to inspire me to race for it to be fun need some kind of challenge otherwise something, it's something to achieve like you know me running from here to viv's parents place like was a fun challenge and i enjoyed that like just like more than going and doing a race what about we find someone who's going to be in the race and make them like official enemy of the show like you've got to go down there and the, beat them the, the one thing that Jordan you Williams. Got, the one thing that you guys did mention the other week was like like potentially Canberra Marathon next year, like that might actually inspire me a little bit because like it would be cool to try and win my home marathon. Um, like it's a it's a shitty goal in a way because you can't control who turns up. So like potentially I like I may not win um, and I have no control over that. But 
like that would probably inspire me. Like I would probably enjoy that challenge, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get you. But but going down for just going down for going down for just a a ten k fun run where I'm going to run thirty thirty or something like with no real sort of emotional attachment to it doesn't. I don't know. I just I just don't get inspired by it. Which, like, you've spoken about this before, Moose. Like, you find it hard to get yourself up for races if there's no, like, if you're not emotionally involved in it. Yeah, but I still, I still do them because well, I love them. Like, I still rarely, you, you rarely do them. Well, you which, what races have I bailed out of recently? <laughs> no, but you, you don't race that often either. You said, you said last week. Work on Saturdays. You that's said last week that you're going to race a lot more, so. Well, when, I first moved, that. when I first met Moose, he used to race heaps. Like he'd do the whole AV season. Mm. And and I, I was battling to get work off for those Saturdays. Every Sunday race that I can get to, I go to. Yeah. That that fits in. I used to travel up to bloody do milers meets at whatever time. Big five thousand in the, the other side of Melbourne. But what I like, you've obviously lost the ambition to to be as good as you can be. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, well, for me, it's more about just maintaining a good level of fitness and, and to the point that if I wanted to go into a race, I'm never too far away from being in decent shape. So, but it's trying to find races that really, like, motivate me to, like, I'll always run and I'll always train, but it's finding races that I actually feel like getting myself up for um, because if I'm not up, if, if I don't, if I'm not 100% invested in it, I'm going to get halfway through it and just go, fuck this, like, and, you know. What's the point of doing that? <laughs> yeah, mm. well, well summarised. Do you want to hear about my week? Love to. Of course we didn't, do. Uh, didn't do much. I did a lot of jogging. Uh, Monday, 60 minutes in the morning, 4.31s. Pulled up really good, actually, off that bigger Sunday. Um, 7K in the afternoon, 4.39s. We had two days off work, so Monday, Tuesday, so that's always good for the training. Tuesday morning, got out for 18K, and I did like 10 by 15 second I'm calling them hills, but there's not really many hills around here. It was like up a caravan park driveway that was on a bit of a slant. Um, so I did 10 by 15 seconds sprints up there, jogged back down. Just a, I was getting some kind of hill benefit out of it, but not too much. But it was good to just go a bit quicker on the toes. In the afternoon, I got out for 8K at 4.28, boys, which uh, gave me a 4.28 average for the morning run and the afternoon run. So the daily double, which is quite Without rare. trying. Uh, yeah, so without looking at me pace, I just have time of time overall time on me watch, and then I get home and check it for my morning run, and then I get home and check it for my afternoon run, and I nearly fell off the little couch. I changed my shoes on when I saw four twenty eight, four twenty eight, because how rare is that for that to happen? Why do you? Why does that? Don't you think it's just I'll amazing that happens? What my pace was from the morning's run. Oh no! It's not until I upload it onto the Coro's app, and then I look at it like the AM and PM, and I'm like, "You bloody kidding me? They're exactly the same average pace." What so you I've... never actually you never look at your watch after you've run to see what you've averaged? Me? Yeah. Oh, like once it sinks, I start having a look at it. But that's where you see it next to the morning run. No. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, that's probably the first thing I look at because half the time I think it's like twenty seconds quicker than it actually is. Um, Wednesday, met up with Archie. We did Monofartlek. I set it up in my watch, this one. I haven't really been using that um, function on the Coros because I don't like how it automatically changes the um, the screen back to the set workout screen, not the screen, like the customized straight screen I've kind of got set up in the watch. But I thought for Modify, like this would be good because I just wanted to work on effort. 
Um, and I really like the beeps on Bonifat, like instead of hitting your watch, like counts you down. Yeah, count you down, and like you know how many times you got to change pace in Bonifat, like like a lot of beeps to... though. If it's counting you down and counting you up on the fifteen seconds, you know um... what I mean. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Because it kind of counts down like four, three, two, one, beep, beep. And then, oh, yeah, then you've got only 10 seconds before it starts beeping again to go. Yeah, there's just a lot of beeping. That last two minutes of modifier, like with the 15 seconds, is like, yeah, it's just crazy at the best of times. You just don't know what you're doing half the time, but at least the beeps are good there. So so it was good, though, because I didn't have any pace showing. So we kind of. I've got a rule that we go 10 minutes out and we try to get back further than where we start um, and had some good conversations with people about the Montefartlek and me Strava comments there. Your mate, old coach Moose, Gary Town, was commenting on there. What about Matt yeah. Clowes? Never done Montefartlek. Matt Clowes, yeah. over in the UK. Never, never even heard of it. Didn't even know what it was. I had to tell him what it was. You know what? One day on Strava, I saw this chick who used to go to the college I went to. She put up some random fartlek and called it the Monaghetti Fartlek. And I'm like, excuse me, <laughs> you don't call this the modern fartlek. You got this is a random fartlek, like with all sorts of different. Oh, and it wasn't. It, oh, it wasn't like... even close. Oh, really? And she's like, yeah, right, whatever. I'm like, not whatever. There's a fucking modern fartlek. It's a modern fartlek. You, oh, you went her in the comments. Yes, I did. Yeah, and she got <laughs> I wish I see that. <laughs> um, so Sorry, I Dom. did that. Yeah, that no, was good. I just I liked it, and I went into it not sure how i kind of said actually when i was warming up like i could be still tired from sunday here and i'm just going to work on effort and it could be a 6k monofart like or i could feel good in it a bare bit further and i think it was like second or third furthest i've ever gone in a monofart like like 6.52k i think it was 305 average for the 20 minutes and yeah it felt really good got back probably i think i got back to my starting point like 75 seconds um earlier than what it took me to go out so yeah, it was a good workout and felt strong and covered the ground well, as you would say, Croaks. Uh, 7K in the afternoon at 4.29s Wednesday. Easy day Thursday, 12.5K in the morning, 10K in the afternoon. Friday, got out for a medium long run, uh, about 20K at 4.20s. Then I changed the shoes and just did like 6 by 20 seconds, like pretty fast kind of strides. My watch said I was getting down to like 230K pace for the... Uh, for the 20 seconds but i don't know how accurate the gps is over 20 seconds but it felt good to get up on the toes so that was kind You're of real like, social on your strava aren't you i've just been trying to give back like i was flipping people off for not maybe leave... you got so much time well not people were, yeah i was saying people weren't leaving enough comments and stuff so now i've been trying to leave comments on other people's and reply to comments and most of it's kind of like talking about how workouts are meant to feel and what fart likes are trying to teach clousy how to do my fart and stuff this real influencer-type mm. behaviour. Well, you, you look at a guy like Ben Parks. He writes back to everyone. I don't know how he finds the time because he gets like a million comments on every one of job. his posts. It's his yeah, job. It's, Full-time influencer. Strava is definitely not my job. I'm a school teacher. But um, if people have questions about like why you do a certain workout or something, like I've got time to write back to that stuff. Um, so it's that, the kudos, isn't it? For the kudos, yeah. Then they just keep coming back for the kudos. Someone um, please pay me for coaching. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna start. Uh, I'm gonna start, I want to talk about Strava in a second though, because Friday Arvo did 9k easy as well. Saturday, I did a uh, 17k in the morning. Listen to the Howie Games. He's been doing like artist stuff, not so much sporting people at the moment. So I listened to the Will Anderson one on that podcast because I usually listen to Will Anderson on his own podcast. So it was good to hear him on the other side of the microphone. And then I drove to Bendigo Saturday afternoon. 
Um, Hudson and I went down, a bit of a boys' trip down there. I left him at my parents' place, and then I just jogged over One Tree Hill, uh, which is about 9K like loop from my parents' place, just behind the athletics track there in Bendigo. And then Sunday, I didn't want to do a big... Um, I think we were talking about this off-air last week. You were asking me, Croaks, what my big kind of Sunday super session was going to be, but I didn't want to do one this week just because sometimes it's it's kind of goes to that Strava thing and everyone's banging some big workouts at the moment. And like I felt like the last two were solid and I didn't want to get into that trap of having to better my Sunday workout. So I just had like a time on the feet long run planned. Um, it was that 40k one. That's where I got it from, Moose. You gave it to me before Rotterdam, 40k over the hills. So yeah. I met up with the uh, Bendigo boys about 40 minutes into their long run because they start at 7am. So I met them in the bush um, and then I did 29.5k with them, which was good. Pretty like easy pace, 437 pace, but pretty hilly kind of through there and kind of hard to get much rhythm. And we were just kind of talking. Pretty good group down there. Stephen Van Reeves, Jamie the Beast Cook, Crammers, Milko. It's a couple of twins that run in our AV team. So, um, yeah, a good little group for the Sunday morning. And then I jumped in uh, my athletics club. So not like the Bendigo Bats. This is like the Bendigo Harriers because, like, Bendigo's got, like, four athletics clubs and then they come together to create the Bendigo Bats. But my uh, club has this, like, club race, which is called King of the Mountain from the bottom of One Tree Hill to the uh, top. And it's been going since, like, 1982. And... It's probably our club's most prestigious kind of uh, winter cross-country season kind of race. It's only 3K, but um, yeah, it's about 100 metres elevation gain. And I'd kind of done it a few times back in the day, but probably haven't done it for about four or five years. And obviously with the uh, COVID lockdown, it hasn't happened the last year and a bit. So yeah, jumped into that at 29K in. I was hoping I was going to get an easy win, but there was this 16-year-old kid Um I didn't know who he was until after the race. Bendigo's a bit like Kenya at the moment. Like There's just kids, athletes coming out of everywhere. Andy Buchanan's coaching them all up. This uh, 16-year-old kid, so there's pretty much three main hills from the bottom to the top, and you get a bit of downhill in between them. I tried to drop him on the first hill, couldn't. Tried to drop him on the second hill, couldn't. And then coming off the top of the second hill, I thought I'm just going to put in a real solid like one-minute surge here and get rid of him. And couldn't, and I'm just like, I even did that trick, you know, when you run to the other side of the road. You know, the Dave Ridley tried to do that trick on me, Crooks, when I was down in Hobart. I don't know what sort of trick it is. But... You know, when you see all the pros, when they're in road races, and they just, just hook to the, like, the other side of the road just to try shake them. Yeah. Anyway, I tried this. Because you can imagine this, 16-year-old kid, 33-year-old old man, trying to, hey, trying to race up this hill. clarify something? Yeah. How do you call this a king of the mountain when the gradient's 3%? <laughs> Got to twelve and a half percent at one stage, isn't it? The last uh, hill gets to twelve and a half percent. I guess moves because there's some downhill in it, so like yeah. So you go up a hill and then the you steep. drop and then you, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think it's about a hundred. I think my watch got me at eighty something. But then like all the other kids who just did it as like one upload, they got it as a hundred meters over the three k, and I only got it as like two point nine. But I was I was taking every tangent I possibly could on that road. Um, so then we got to the bottom of this last hill, and the last hill is the hardest hill. Anyone who's been Bendigo on this course knows the hill I'm talking about, up to like the, the fire lookout. And this is where it hits 12.5% gradient. And then I kind of thought going into this last hill, I could probably slow things down, let him overtake me, and then I could sit on him and then come over the top of him, make that move. 
or I could get to the bottom of the hill and just grind it the whole way up and hopefully drop him off the back. And I went with that plan. Then I got about 150 metres up the hill and this kid just like hammers past me on the left-hand side, like full-on sprinting up the steepest part of the hill. Took me a while to react. Um, probably got 500 metres of the race, which is probably 300 metres of the hill left at this stage. And then I kind of could just get back onto him with a full-on sprint. And then we probably got oh, 200 metres from the top of the hill and he just gassed it. He just went a bit too hard. Like young kid, a bit inexperienced, but it was a bloody impressive move. And then I put in my surgeon. Yeah, probably put five or six seconds into him the last couple of hundred meters, but um, yeah, just. Are we still are we still on the are we still on that easy long run of just time on your feet? Yeah, time on the feet <laughs> with a three k hilly race in the middle there. <laughs> so I got the win in. I think it was nine nine thirty three, um, and that I just missed the course record. I was like six seconds off the course record, but um, which I had. So it's like not that impressive when you're trying to beat your own course records. But it was 317 average, but a 256 gap fellas with the hills in there. So so then I jogged back down, Moose, with a good Ballarat resident now. Used to be a legend of Bendigo running, Ben Fay. Oh, yeah? Came, he came over from Ballarat and did it because they invited every one of the past winners to come back and do it because it's our running club's 100-year celebration this year. So it was really cool to see some of the old faces there. And he says he's been listening to the podcast. He's up to about episode 190, he reckons. So... You haven't had your child yet, but we're kind of talking a bit of uh, rubbish about the podcast. Said he's what was he meant to go for? So to do this race because he was a past winner of it. Oh, right, okay. So I think gotcha. he came third or fourth. He wants to run about 35 minutes at the uh, Melbourne Marathon 10K. So, yeah, it was good yeah. to jog back good. down with him. He's a legend. Um, and then, yeah, just jogged to make it. Th- jogged a bit with uh, Harrison, this young kid that I just met who nearly smoked me. For uh yeah, forty K morning. But it was like three hours and a lapse time I think it was like three hours twenty with all the shoe changes and the uh quick little kind of chat at the top of the hill to get our breath back before we come back down again. But almost good. as long as this recap. I know. I probably spent more time on a recap than that <laughs> than I do when I do our marathons or decent races. But anyway, oh, well, got the so win. That, That's the main thing. Got That's the all win. I got out of that. You got got a win. sash. They give you out those sashes in Ballarat, like local races. You know those ones? No, mate. We get trophy, perpetual trophies. Yeah, we get we get sashes over here. So I got that. So uh, that was good. That was the end of a 191k week. So a lot of jogging. Um, three really like want to put three good weeks together now, and then I'll pretty much be tapering. Five weeks to go. Feeling happy with where I'm at. Looking forward to um. Yeah, putting the finishing touches on the preparation. Very good. You got a um, you got all your start, your elite start sorted and everything. Elite start sorted. Purchased some uh, racing shoes and gels off you last week. Probably still need a pair of socks, and I'm hoping you're oh. going to tell me something about the inside run and singlets. So the kit will be ready, the gels are ready. Need to book some accommodation. Entries ready. I'm looking forward to it. So talking about Melbourne Marathon, fellas, the Nike Melbourne Marathon, we've thanks to them. This is our third week with the uh, Melbourne Marathon segment. It's been good fun doing this the last couple of weeks. I feel like I get to really indulge. It's the actual marathon I'm doing, and we get to talk about a bit of extra time. Uh, entries are pretty quick, so to, to secure your spot, you need to go to melbournemarathon.com.au. I know today on social media and Strava, I was seeing a lot of photos of people's bibs starting to arrive in the mail uh, Croats, can you tell me a bit about how many numbers remain? Yeah, so, yeah. so as at 2 o'clock on Monday, um, 2 p.m. that is, there's only 600 spots left in the marathon, um, 400 spots left in the half, 
1,600 in the 10K and 2,300 in the 5K. Um, there's also 2,000 spots left in the 3K, which is a free event. Gee, that's good. That's free cool, event. isn't it? That, yeah. Like, that half's definitely selling out. That marathon, definitely selling out. Um, yeah. 10K will come close as well. A lot of people, I reckon, will just hang out a bit longer on the um, shorter stuff to work out what the family's doing. But that's pretty good. That's, that's a sold-out event, basically, right there. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be so good. And uh, just, rem- just remember yeah. that, um, yeah, so there's free um, free bib postage if you register before the 14th of November and regist- registrations close on the 21st of November. I do like with Melbourne. This is what the photos I was seeing today is you can um, you can put your name on the bib as well. That's pretty cool. See that? What what name are you putting up? Brady. Oh, Brother. Yeah. Creative. Yeah, what, what else is I going to put up? Big dog. <laughs> It's cool that they do that now, though, because that used to always be sort of, you know, it was just the elite guys often that had their names on their bibs, but I reckon it's cool that everyone can now have their names on. Yeah. Well, you can cheer for people, can't you? Because you're like, I don't have a clue who this guy is, but he's got his name Gary's on his bib, so I'll go yell out, go Gary. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I will, when I'm going the opposite way to Gary down (laughs) Beach Road there. I'll give him a shout-out. I'll try to shout-out as many people as I can. Mm. I'm trying to hang on to the back of a few people. Uh, so at this stage, what kind of sessions? Let's maybe do the marathon first. And this is what I wanted to bring up because there's a lot of good sessions getting done on Strava at the moment. Um, what sessions? We'll go to you first, Moose. What should people be doing if they've got the marathon coming up in five, just under five weeks now? What should be people really focusing on? And I guess it kind of depends on who you are. Well, they should be doing a long run. Whether you're trying to win the race or you're trying to finish the race without – uh, dying, you should be focusing on a long run. Really, you one run, one run every, whether it's seven days, ten days, or two weeks, uh, is essential. That's going to be the thing that that makes a difference between how you how you um, how comfortable you are on the day. So most people do it on Sundays, don't they? Yeah. Would this be starting like your biggest long run of the block? Would you be expecting to see now or within the next yeah. week? It's probably a bit late. Um, it's probably a bit late to be sort of building into your training right now with only five weeks left from this week. Is it five weeks from this weekend now? Four from um, this weekend. Four from five this from weekend, yesterday. yeah. Yeah. So you you like this this is probably your biggest long run one month out, I reckon. When you get to three weeks out, you're starting to cut it a bit close. Potentially you could do your biggest three weeks out, but definitely not two weeks out. So this weekend or the one after is probably where you want to um peak peak your training and then taper into the race so uh, again don't go out and do anything silly so if you've gone like lately you made a late call to, to run the race and you've run 24 28 30ks the last three weeks don't go and run 39k just because you think you have to um, you're better off running say something that'll work with your progression maybe 33 34k and and um and being safe with it rather than cooking yourself before the start line even comes. Yeah, building your fitness into the race so you're hitting it still on the build. Yeah, yeah. Too many people chase that number, don't they? Oh, I need to run 40K or or I need to do three hours or whatever, but not really. You don't have to do and, that. And also, Moose, this is the real um, critical period where people, like, because as you said, like often from three weeks out, the taper starts. So people think that, all right, I've got two weeks to completely bury myself now because I've got three weeks of taper and so many people overdo it in these next two weeks and either don't recover in the taper or actually get injured mm. before the taper. 
So you're better off doing a little bit less and getting to the start line healthy. Or pace yeah. is a tiny bit slower. Would you recommend, Crokes? Like what if was you're that, going sorry? out or adjusting your paces to be a tiny bit slower instead of a tiny bit faster? Yeah, look, like I guess it's hard to give blanket yeah. advice for everybody because you got it's like it depends where they've come from with their running. Like I know that the the common trend is for these big sort of marathon sessions, but for a lot of recreational runners, they will still run a really good marathon if they're doing a longer midweek run and a longer Sunday run just time on their feet, not necessarily doing – because generally the, the slower the runner, the closer they're going to be to marathon pace anyway for their like longer runs. Um, so sometimes just more time on your feet and not worrying so much about the super sessions will we'll, we'll still get you a good marathon result. Yeah, it, there's another dot point here about like any benchmarks or kind of like predictor sessions that you'd recommend people doing now, especially for people who may have never done a marathon before or it's been a long time since they've done a marathon, for them to kind of be able to do to then make a call on what their marathon pace might be on race day if it's, you know, ideal, before they might have to adjust for the weather. Yeah, it's I, don't, I just don't think so. I don't, I don't think that's a good idea because how often is it that, like you'll know what your marathon pace is the second that you cross that finish line. That's your marathon pace. And so what you think your marathon pace is going into an event is like, it's a guess. Yeah. And, and it's all like, it's all, especially your first one, when you don't really know those sessions that you do, say I throw a session out here, I want you to do three by five K and, and whatever you run for those five Ks is going to be your marathon pace. But if it's your first time marathon, you don't really know what that's supposed to feel like. You could do three by five K at half marathon pace and go, okay, that's my marathon pace, but you're totally outside your comfort zone. Um, so I don't think predictor workouts work that well. Uh, and, and I've always found that I've been able to run a lot faster on the day than, than in the predictor workouts I've, I've ever done. And um, I think we're all different like that. Some of us can train really well, but, but have, have trouble increasing that um performance level on the day and others can train within themselves but perform a lot better on the day so it's all we're all different and and i just i get it annoys me these these benchmark predictor sessions uh, because i feel like they never they're never right and probably the most ridiculous one is the yasso 800s like running 800 meter reps is a good is a good indicator of your marathon pace that like that's craziness to me. Do you guys know that session? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, is it like 8 by 800 with 200 fight or something like that? No, like the recovery is the same. The recovery is almost the same time as the rep, I think. We've had this conversation before, I think. I think yeah, we've reached the strengths before uh, most. <laughs> I don't understand how that became mm. indi- like a predictor for your marathon. I, just, I have no idea how that's come. But anyway, that's the sort of stuff that's out there that we've got to be careful of. Mm. Mm. Um, Croach, you've got a bit of success over the half marathon. Yeah, I haven't done a, a heap of marath- half marathons, but I know one of the sessions I did a couple of weeks before I ran my PB was um, I did 2 by 6 k um, At the time, I ran it running just solidly, and that, that turned out to be about what I ran for the for the half marathon. Um, so, it, But for me, it was, you know, I was running, what, 18, basically 18 to 20-minute reps with maybe, I can't remember what recovery was, maybe three minutes between reps or something. 
So a little bit higher intensity, obviously, than your marathon sessions. Um, and yeah, for me, it was like 20 minutes worth. So I was getting basically got 40 minutes worth at marathon at half marathon effort, uh, or just under actually, because it was 18 minutes or so. So 30, 36 minutes, um, which is what I guess half the, well, just just uh, just over half of the um, half marathon distance in in sort of that sort of efforts. Yeah, three to four three k reps. I like that as well. We're 500 mm-hmm. between it. Yeah, so you were, what you so twelve? Yeah, so it's still roughly the same. So same it was like ten, time, it was, you yeah. know, ten, ten to twelve k's worth. But like you know, this is once again, this is what I did. But it's you know, there's recreational runners out there that won't be doing that. Like so, it's it's hard to give blanket blanket yeah. sessions for everybody. What about fueling strategies? Like I know I've been practicing with gels. I just said before, I bought a box off Moose the other day, trying to get those things sorted now so I can practice with them. Um, so it's nothing new on race day. Have you guys got tips about when people should be using their fuel? Well, you can do a pretty, like a real easy kind of calculation is sort of one gram of carb per kilogram per hour. So that's that's sort of a maybe a maximum that you would want to be taking. So for, for me, 72, 72 kilos, gee, I gave away my off-season weight just then, um, <laughs> <laughs> per hour. That's That's like uh kind of two and a half gels three gels yeah yeah nearly three gels um so that's about what i hit Is that's that, about yeah, you use what that yeah yeah well no i try to push it a bit more normally i want to go on the high side of things if i can because mm-hmm. i've practiced that i haven't yeah. i've never run into gut issues in a race so so i can i can push that a little bit more but um the goal is that like you've got four probably four long runs left where you would use gels, this block, and, and, and now would be a time to practice how much you can um, you can take on. Yeah. Also, if there's people out there that have been training, like depl- like not taking on nutrition during like long runs, now's the time, especially in that last three weeks, to almost actually overload bec- to get – because like to – so obviously if you've been doing it, the whole idea why you haven't been taking gels is to try and, you know, increase – the burning of fats and that sort of thing which i guess it's getting a little bit sort of outdated i think but if you are if you're doing that in that last three weeks you actually want to try and get your gut used to taking on this stuff whereas if you've been taking it if you've been taking on nutrition regularly throughout the whole prep you probably don't need to overload quite as much um, because your body will still be used to it but yeah you definitely so for, for your long workouts your long runs definitely start practicing fueling now Mm. Yeah, I'm just looking at where all the water stations here are as well, fellas. Like, that's something worth practicing. Setting up the paper cups, you know, on your long run course and, no. and practice. No. I think that I think that's worth practicing. No, that no. is hard to do. You just you just slow down for them. That's oh, you... I tried to do at Berlin that first year. I was picking up paper cups and just they going up my nose, flat out. Like I'd never done it before ever. And then all of a sudden I'm going through a drink station. And I'm like, I should have practiced this at home before I got over here. <laughs> I don't know. I think if you just slow down a little bit, it's pretty easy to drink from a cup. Like, mm. people have drunk from cups for a while now. Um, I don't know about you, but I've always drunk from cups without have a problem. You? When? Uh, I have a drink bottle at work. I don't have a little paper cup that I just drink <laughs> out of every day. If you slow down, like, people start freaking and they realize, like, they think that they're, they're going to lose their group or their yeah. race is going to over if they, if they don't slow down just to drink something. Your point like, you're making, it's better to slow down and get it in. Exactly, to, to yeah. To it all and have it all up, you know, is what I was talking about. 
walk through the drink station. It's almost it's like it's a good tactic for getting your heart rate down to compose yourself to get new nutrition in. Breaks up the race. Yeah, I, I encourage people like that are maybe running sort of three and a half hours or or longer to to walk through the stations. Because mm. at the end of the day, the 10 seconds that you give up at, you know, five of these drink stations, that's 50 seconds over the course of the race. If you don't get on, if you don't get the nutrition in, then you're oh, going to, you're going to lose more than 50 oh, seconds. You, you can lose 10 minutes of, the last five minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're better yeah. off giving up a little bit of time to make sure that you're getting your nutrition in. Yeah. And yeah, yeah for sure. And the hydration yeah. on top of that as well. And they got SIS sports drinks on um, on course. So I guess if that's something you think you're going to be grabbing, maybe try it out before you take the first one at the 6K mark yeah. of the race. So that'd be worth practicing as well. Um, then, Croach, you spoke about taper plans. Like you said three weeks, which I was surprised on. Like I usually go a bit later than three weeks, but you'd start easing things off three weeks out? Uh, I've always, yeah, look, I think it also this also depends on the, on the build-up that you've had. Yeah. I think if you've been... If you've been banging out like massive kilometres, massive sessions, then I think your taper needs to be a little bit longer than somebody who potentially hasn't been doing quite as much. Um, also, like I remember I had a little bit of a niggle um, before Lake Biwa. So what would have originally been a three-week taper, I ended up ha- I ended up starting taper a little bit earlier, but then I had a bit of a, a, a you know a, a more solid week, maybe two weeks out just after I'd had that sort of earlier down week. So it sort of depends where you're coming from a little bit. But I think if you've had like a perfect, if you've had a perfect taper and you've been running some big kilometres starting from like, you know, I normally do my last big long run three weeks out. And then after that, like there's still some, there's still some decent work in there. So I'll go from like running two and a half hours on the Sunday to probably two hours, two weeks out. And then for me, 90 minutes a week out, um, I might have like a two by 5K session in there um within the last couple of weeks as well so like you're not you know it's not like you're shutting up shop and putting the queue in the rack uh you're still you know you're still running a fair bit especially if you've come from big miles yeah have you got any blanket rules for the taper moves uh keep the frequency up um but just remove the, the intensity and the volume so you just keep that routine going like wake up same thing every day go through your processes and um maybe like i normally We'll get. We should do more about the taper in the coming weeks, but yeah, uh, but yeah we'll, we'll, we'll I won't get until we do it. Yeah, yeah. And then um, the last point here was like the race day kit, and we're just talking off air about how deliveries are taking a bit longer than usual. Moose, this is probably oh, the time yeah. where I'm sure, as I said, I got my shoes and uh, the gels and stuff organised because I was worried it wouldn't get here in time. So this is the time to buy it now. Make sure it's delivered in time and gives you time to test it. Well, the race shoe thing is a, is actually going to. I think there will be shortages going forward of, of the super shoes. Uh, I'm not sure. Like maybe there'll get, be a couple more come in through before October, but we got ours pretty much the Nike range. Uh, could be the last batch we get before Melbourne. And um, people now like know that races are coming up. The shoes are going. And um, I know we had the problem like in the past of, of not being able to access them, whether it was from – our store or other stores, they just weren't around. And um, I think that's going to happen again in the near, in the near future. So uh, i got a few people, I just chucked a post up on Instagram, a few people going, oh, I'm just holding out for the new colour. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I, like if you need a shoe for the race, you've got to jump on that shit now because um, because you, you'll, be, you'll be left stranded with a pair of Vaporflies with 500K on them. 
for race day. <laughs> Your worst nightmare. They're just as efficient though, aren't they? I oh, know that was 200k. Yeah, good. that was good, wasn't it? That was yeah. a bit of insight. Mm. I like that. Yeah, I do like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so no, obviously don't try anything new on race day. So get your stuff sorted now, your kit, your gels, your band-aids, your uh, Vaseline. What do you guys say in the shop, Moose? Do you got some like uh, body glide? Body glide or sport shield. They're both good. I'm a fan of sport shield, to be honest. Yeah. I like that. All that stuff. So big thanks again to the Nike Melbourne Marathon Festivals for supporting the show. Thank Be sure you. to secure your spot today at melbournemarathon.com.au. It's going to be a cracker. Can't wait. See, Chris, can you come down and hold my gels? Do we get to the bottom of that? Mate, you'll have, so many, you'll have so many podca- podcast I, fanboys I that would offer off to I do that. You. I'll give you a bike. Go down and ride for me. <laughs> Imagine your life if you're handing gels out to Brady. Oh, Imagine that's what your running career has come to. Yeah. I'll, send, I'll send you through a quote <laughs> for my hourly rate, Brady. Imagine that, Moose. He doesn't get up and about to race, but he's, he's in the house down the side of the road, handed gels to me. Oh, and you give him a spray late when he fucks it up. Yeah. He gives you the wrong one or he holds onto it too long. He gives me the caffeine one instead of the normal one. <laughs> Racing actually seems quite appealing again now. Yeah. If, if oh, that's the yeah. alternative. That's the alternative for you. Um, let's talk about some running news. New York Marathon was early hours this morning. Moose, I'm really hoping you uh, turned off your phone and then watched the whole thing from gun to tape because I didn't see any footage. I've just got the results in front of me. Tell me you watched it. The thing is, this morning I did that, no socials or anything, woke up and then tried to find the replay of it. Flowtrack didn't have it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, you've spoken about it. No, no, I thought you were going to say it's a spoiler because at first it tells you who won. No, no, Flowtrack didn't have it. And so then I had to go to YouTube and YouTube gave the result, the women's result away straight away, and then um, and I couldn't actually find a proper replay of it. Like I couldn't, I couldn't find a legit replay. I think I only found one that was in like um, Spanish or something, but I didn't end up watching it just because, like, I wanted commentary. Um, but so yeah, FlowTrack had the rights for it to be live, but they couldn't replay it. Did not? Did they have it live? Oh, no. I don't oh, think they yeah. did. No, I think oh, it was okay. on it was on ESPN. Um, so it was on mainstream, which is what Eurosport for us over here. We had it, which I don't have Foxtel oh, anymore. I could have watched that. I've got yeah, it. you could have. It'll it'll be Did a replay on there. No, because we don't get Eurosport anymore on um, on Fox. So how did yeah. you watch it if you're in Australia? This is a problem that we shouldn't have to have. Exactly. One of the I biggest marathons in the bloody world, and we're sitting here going, how do we watch it? And we do a bloody running podcast well, every week. Well, do you know half the reason when we when we moved into our new house, I got Foxtel, largely because every major marathon was actually shown yeah, on Eurosport. Mm. That, and that was half the reason I got Foxtel. And then over the years, that's been whittled away to the point that I hardly I hardly watch these major marathons now, which is so disappointing. And, like, how's, how's the sport meant to grow? Yeah, it's if, not on Foxtel. Yeah, just looked it up. Um, all right. Foxtel. Yeah, because I went to try to look it up on YouTube, and then someone was advertising it as like or had their title as 2021. But then I clicked on it and saw Brett Robinson in the lead pack, and I'm like, yeah, this is from like two years ago. Just mm-hmm. trying to get some clicks up on the old YouTube video here. Anyway, I'll just find out because I know Ali got up and watched it, so I just find out how she watched it. Perez Jepticia, the uh, winner of the Olympic marathon, she got the win in the women's race in 2.22.39. 
that was probably expected. But one of those rare doubles, I think Frank Shorter is the only person who has done it before, won the Olympic marathon and then a marathon major in the same calendar year. She's had a good good uh, few months, hasn't she? Yeah, but a big enough gap, isn't it? What was it? Maybe like 10, yeah. 12 weeks? Like, it was doable. Harder yeah. for London, of course, because that was in Berlin, because they were, they were sooner. Yeah, a little shorter. A little shorter gap. Yeah, the other big, uh, t- well, this is in the Let's Run title here, American Molly Seidel, past interviewee. She set the American course record in 2.24.42. And they really do celebrate that over in the States, don't they? Like how fast the Americans run in their races. But it's an iconic race. Something that doesn't happen in Australia, though. Like, no one knows who the fastest Australian is at Melbourne or... Yes, they do. Do they? They do. I reckon. Oh, look, maybe not. um, Maybe not, actually. I was just thinking how we all know Sinead's the fastest at Melbourne. Oh, yeah, the course Um, record we know, but not the... Yeah, you're right. Probably not the fastest Australian. Um, But, yeah, it's just so much stuff. Like, New York's celebrated, isn't it, there, and... It's a big one back in the day when Salazar won it and um, and Bill Rogers was there maybe for the first one. Like it was just when it was when um, it was when those road races were kings, like when they were when they're on TV and they're actually famous and, and that's probably what started everything, wasn't it, over there? Yeah. Frank LeBeau. Yeah, he, he was got his book? Yeah. Uh, oh, what his his actual book. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. It's a good one. I'll sell it Is to it? you for a couple hundred bucks, yeah. 500 mm. is yours. We'll talk. I'll send a photo to you afterwards. Um, so Molly backed up pretty well as well, 224.42, to uh, yeah get that fastest American on the course and also better her PB. So uh, four marathons she's ran, all four of them have been pretty impressive. Any mm. comments there, fellas? Oh, I, 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 was, I didn't think she'd pull it off, to be, to be honest. Um, uh, it's rare that someone comes in like I don't I don't know I just didn't have faith in her I don't know why uh, before it I said oh she'll go out hard and uh, she'll have a lot of confidence after the Olympics and she races she races bravely which um, can often result in a marathon in in blow-ups and New York's a place to blow up did great North run influence that a bit too moose where she didn't she didn't go great there not really i forgot about that mm. it was it was more just this course as a tendency to, to burn people that, that go hard early just with that massive hill next to central park along first ave at, um i think it's about 20 miles or so 22 miles and um and yeah i just i thought oh she's going to get caught up in some racing and really cook herself but she she's pulled it off really like a lot of good ladies have run there and 224 is fast yeah, she's like the best marathoner in the U.S. now, isn't she? She's got that title hands yeah. down. Well, Sarah Hall's she... run 220. Yeah, yeah, but... but Molly Molly hasn't had the opportunity yet to run a marathon on like a real super quick course. So it'd be interesting to see like if she goes to somewhere like Berlin, um, what she would run. Because I have, I have no doubt she'd be like low 220s on that sort of course. I was reading up on this today, though, but her next one could potentially be um, the world champs in Oregon, which would be another hot one. Mm. So then... I was arguing with – I had this exact argument today with, with Ali. Um, I should go back and just tell you the conversation because sometimes I'm I – sure I, I would love that. I argue with her, like, just to piss her off. Um, 
And I said, she's not going to be able to run. She's not going to be a 220 girl. She's going to be like Yuki Kawachi, and she's going to win Boston, like, but she's not going to ever run fast. Uh, I just look at her gait and I go, oh, I just can't, like, you just don't look like you can. But didn't she run 15.05 or something as a junior? Yeah. She's... I think she's quick on the track. And she's won like a heap of NCAA titles. Um, but it's just interesting now, like she's obviously, there's been a lot written about the way that she trains now. And it's just like, it's massive miles. So like oh, yeah. she's, she's, she's super, super, open with it too. she's super, super strong. Um, but yeah, like whether, like what her flats, like, you know, what her flat speed is, is, you know, no one really knows what she, you know, what sort of 10K sort of shape she can mm. run, but not that 10K is that relevant to, to marathon. But I, I, I still think there's, whatever you're running in New York, you can run faster on a flat course. She's good yeah. for the sport anyway. Good I don't know. Good I don't know. Social media. I don't know about that. I reckon right. it's a bit different. We'll see. I reckon right. her. I reckon she'll run faster than 224.42 in yeah, another marathon. I do, too. <laughs> I do too, but I don't think she's like, going to break the american record or anything mm. so matt gunther watched it on flow track but there was no replay on there this morning so i'm not sure what was going on there i'm sure you had a good walk you scrolled through it all i did <laughs> i scrolled through it <laughs> and then i watched the brooklyn nets instead beat uh toronto which was also a good game how's patty mills going all right going he's going all right he's going, he's going all right good energy he's got the good he's good getting energy. game time over there yeah, he is. Backup sort of point guard. He plays behind Harden a bit. He sort of comes out when Harden's not on. And he's a good defender, like real just, real just, um, you know, hustler. Just hungry. Just like likes to lock blokes up and dishes the ball, gets around the court, sparks them up a bit. You know, all those millionaire players, they can get a bit lazy. And you've got Paddy Mills there who just wants to be like, just wants to make shit hard for people. What about your other mate, the other Australian guy over there? Josh Kidd, eh? Uh, the Philadelphia guy, what's his name? Yeah, he's one of those millionaires. <laughs> you called that a couple of, like, you called that six or eight months ago when we were thanking that Patreon supporter who followed Philly, remember? No, I don't, I've never really liked him, how he's gone about things, but, um, yeah, he doesn't look real good right now. He's basically, like, deserted a city. Yeah, well, anyway, I do want to hear about the second and third place getters from uh, the women's race at New York Marathon. Viola Jeptu from Kenya. I think it was her debut. She ran 2.22.44. It was a pretty close race, really, wasn't it? Five seconds there. And Ababel Yeshine from Ethiopia was third in 2.22.52. So Molly was really in no man's land two minutes back, and then she was two minutes ahead of mm. uh, the fifth-place finisher. Um, who That's Joe Hannes, who... She, yeah, she, she was good in the Olympics. She won the comp games too, didn't she? Pretty Ooh, sure she yeah. won the Com yeah. Games at Oh, Gold yeah, Coast. that's right. Not the Olympics, then the... Um, and right. she, Sinead picked her up in the home straight at the Olympics, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So uh, that was the women's race there. Men's race was an interesting one as well. Some, well, Kenanisa Bikili was there. Ben Drew was making his debut. We had the silver medalist from the Olympics, Adby Navagesi from uh, the Netherlands. So there were a few kind of stories, but not a really deep field. Um, but Albert Korea got the win in 208.22. Mohammed Al Arabi from Morocco was second in 209.06. And Eob Fenil from Italy was third in 209.52. Bikili, all the Abdi came in fifth. Bikili sixth. Ben True seventh, just one second behind Bikili. Um, Are you reckon that Mohammed in second was. Did he run like Biwa? Did he win like Biwa the year that we. Oh, was that him? Let me check that out. 
Yeah, check that out because there was, yeah, I don't know, you can't just, just because they're Moroccan doesn't mean it's the same guy, but yeah, do some research there. Um, a real good point here. This happened at Amsterdam a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure if it was the second, maybe the second or third place getter at the World Half Marathon Champs. He made his debut and I was kind of keeping an eye on him to see what he'd, what he'd do. And I think he came like 15th or 16th, just blew a bit. And there was also uh, Kenny Watt Candy. You know the world record holder over the half marathon fellas from Kenya? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He made his debut here as well at New York. And I heard on the Let's Run podcast, they were talking about how his agent said he wanted to run New York. So be, they thought it might have been a bit slower early and then he could kind of burn them off late in the race and a good place for a um, you know debut marathon to happen. He finished in ninth in 2.13.43. So it just goes to show there's a massive difference between the half marathon and the marathon. And we were talking about this a few weeks ago because with the actual uh, Athletics yeah. Australia criteria about how they're going to look at the potential half marathon times to pick the marathon team. So, yeah. And then pick up. thought that was interesting. Two, two of our, the world's very best half marathoners. I think, what, 57 and 58-minute guys on paper. Um, and yeah, I, have, I also, really struggled. I also reckon it's an interesting move for these guys that are super quick on dead flat half marathon courses to make their debut on, like, a somewhat undulating marathon course because that's completely different as well like i reckon new york like people's quads and stuff like blow up and burn because of the ups and the downs so i I thought that these guys who are super quick over the half would at least find a flat marathon so it's similar similar type of running um Mm. but they must have got paid a lot of money yeah maybe money talks you're right Mm, yeah and it's just another story like it's good to have those guys on the start line Slow times, though, fellas. Haven't heard much about Super Shoes the last uh, couple of days with these results. 208s, you know, what you would have nearly come in top 10 here, Moose, 214. Jared hey, it's, Ward. New York. It's, it's New York. True. It wasn't a perfect weather, though. Maybe, but it's still what, New what York. Dixon, what, what, did, what did Dixon run to win New York? <laughs> I think Dixon. that was under 210, actually. Yeah. Let me type that in. You keep talking about but you don't, results. But you don't see guys running 204 in, in New York. Like, it's, it's, it is definitely a couple of minutes slower than... You yeah. know, up the the flat courses. Um, like it's good to see Bikili, um finish. Finishing. Like yeah. yeah, like I reckon he's taken a bit of a leaf. He must have heard Moose the other week saying, "You know what? I'm going to go out there and I'm going to race more. And if I get beaten by people that mm-hmm. I think shouldn't beat me, I don't care because you know, like you know, Kim finishing sixth at New York, what four minutes or over four and a half minutes behind the winner. Like it's not not great for a guy with his sort of legacy, but good on him for. For battling it out and finishing. Nineteen eighty three. Dixon, can I just say this for two seconds? Nineteen eighty three, Rod Dixon won the race in two oh eight fifty nine. Yeah. Solid. Dixon Dixon's still picking up silver. Isn't he? Yeah. Same course, different course. They had they had some yeah. changes. They used to just run around Central Park in the real early days, but this is nah, this would have been a similar course. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's so. Anyone who wants to argue the shoes are just improving, everyone's running. No, don't don't start. I'm on your side. I'm saying you can't go arguing that. Yeah. Because why aren't all these guys running four minutes quicker than Dixon? Yeah, that's right. Maybe he would. Maybe that argument for them would be, oh, he's a two hundred two dude. Dixon. Yeah. Yeah. I love how he's just Dixon. (laughs) Do you want to go to Brisbane now? Anything else to say about New York? Yeah. Um, 
tell us about these results, Croaks. Up there, good race up there. Bridge to yeah. Brisbane, 10K. Yeah, and um, quick too. So Tim, it was a 1-2 for Gold Coast Runco. Um, Tim Vincent first in 28.45. And Louis uh, McAfee was uh, second in 28.56. And third, Jack Bruce, 29.12. So um, solid running from those boys. Like it's a brutal start to the race. They run up over this bridge and it's pretty, pretty steep. Um, but then obviously get the downhill on the other side. But that's that 28.45 on the road, that's that's moving. That is. Looked up his splits today. He ran the last five and a half minutes at 2.44k pace. You know, you can check on the actual Ooh. results. Like, they're different. Yeah, he put them to the sword in that last, like, 2k. Mm. Pretty so, impressive. Pretty and impressive then, there. I think, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, Jack O'Elliott's got big raps on Tim Vincent. Reckons that he's the next star. Got the pick of the squad, he reckons. Ten times better than Louis. I thought Louis was the pick of the squad. <laughs> I don't know. I Louis know that did he... do a really good social media post, like, you know, paying respect to um, Tim. Did which he? I thought was nice, yeah. Just saying Is that, that. the good-looking one? The good-looking looks better or something? Oh, I think so. He's a good fella. Yeah. He did an article for Runner's Tribe as well. I saw that today. Five Apparently it was... Was at work at Bunnings, 10 a.m. shift, immediately after the race. Who was? How good? Tim Vincent. Oh, Tim Vincent. Yeah. How good's that? Mm. That's, that's good. That's some blue-collar life right there. That's what we want. Some we like them up there in Queensland, I reckon. It's getting pretty – yeah, but they're not all – like, because you've got Gregson and Jack Bruce who are professional athletes, haven't you? That's like, what I mean. No, yeah, I mean, so you've got like the blue-collar boys against yeah. the professional athlete boys. They're just quality athletes up there at the moment. Like, they're, they're pumping some good – some good runners out and just South Australia. It's good to see some other, not just Victoria, South, I mean, New South Wales all the time. Yeah. Uh, Josephine Arra, she won the women's in 33.56. Ashley Gentle was second in 34.01. Samantha Phillips was third in 35.05. Some new names there to watch, fellas, because I haven't heard of any of those three. Well, the, the Ashley Gentle, Gentle triathlon. Tri- yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's good. Don't Very spend a lot of time watching triathlons, fellas. That's all I'm saying. Right. She's a professional triathlete. Yeah, I reckon she's been to the Olympics. Has she? I reckon. Where are these results at? Uh, I've got them on a separate page here. Oh. Um, yeah. I, what was the winning time? Uh, 33 minutes and 56 seconds. Yeah, so I mean, 33 is pretty good on that course. It's pretty hilly. Pretty close. I mean, 20, well, 35 yeah. seconds between them. Yeah. 20, 2016 Olympian. Was she? Ashley Gentle. Yeah. I was too young to watch the Olympics that age. Would have missed her. She came on quick as well. 3.20 pace for the last uh, couple of K. Uh, Moose on the loose, purchase of the week. Uh, Moose on the loose, this is this is going to make a couple of people happy. Um, uh, and, and look, I'm partly to blame for this, and I'm not going to say I've never done it, but the amount of people out there who are commenting on the weather and the conditions that they ran their workout in lately is just getting beyond a joke. And even when there's some sort of hint of a wind, the workout description on Strava will be captioned with little bit windy or little bit hot and it's like 17 degrees or undulating and maybe there's like a hill that climbs for 10 metres somewhere in their run. And it got me thinking the other day, I'm like, why do we, why do we compare everything to the absolute perfectly ideal race conditions and um, course? Like where in the world is there somewhere where you'll get no wind, 
be 12 degrees and have an absolutely dead flat road. Yeah, and more so, often than not, it's not perfect. Wait, well, it's basically never perfect. And so if you're going to start comparing your run and saying it's windy, well, it's windy compared to what? Perfect compared to no wind? And then if it's hot, it's like, well, it's not hot. It's 17. Hot's 30. And hilly is like, okay, New York's a pretty hilly marathon, and you just went on something comparatively way less hilly over your run. So, like, let's just move on from this um, kind of period we're going through where everyone needs to compare, like, their run to the absolutely idyllic conditions. And So are you saying if it's 30, though, you're allowed to say hot? I'd say, yeah, it was 30. warm out. But, look, like, I'm not going to put it in. 30 is pretty warm. Um, I'm not saying you're not allowed to comment. I'm just saying, like, don't I think you should have Moose's rules for Strava. New segment starting next week. Well, yeah. what you're getting Peterson, out, Moose, is what's... Jordan Peterson wrote that book, 12, 12 Rules for Life. Julian that... Spence. Julian, Jordan Peterson? Who's that? Oh, I don't know. Self-help guy, lecturer, yeah. um, podcast guy. Start your, own, start your own little segment, Moose. Moose's rules for Strava. Yeah, yeah well... Um, Rule one, no complaints about conditions. Like the conditions are the conditions. Unless. Well, the question 30. is, why do you think they write that? To make like to make their session feel like seem like it's actually better than what it is? Like mm. what's, no, what's, what's their motivation? It's to make themselves feel better that they didn't hit the idyllic pace. And this is the next part of it. What the idyllic pace that they've got in their mind for running a marathon is always the pace that is like at the very, very, very end of their maximum potential capacity and could only be achieved on a Berlin marathon when it's 12 degrees and no wind, right? <laughs> and and so why is that our ideal? Why is that the pace that we got like we aim for? Because that's pretty much unachievable. Like you get to the day of the race in any course in Australia and go, Oh yeah, today's not the day to run that. But in our heads, it's what we build it up as. Yeah, this is what we're going to do. And I get it's nice to have ambition, and we have to have goals. But I just I think that having something like that in your head throughout a, a twelve week block of training, and then arriving on race day and going, oh, this isn't the right like this isn't right today. It's not healthy. I think we need to be more realistic throughout our training block about what the conditions are likely to be on the day and train to those conditions and that pace rather than thinking that we're going to get a one in a million day and everything's going to line up perfectly, which it never does. Jeez, has anyone in particular triggered you with this stuff, Moose? No, I put, it's... I put hot and windy in one of my descriptions last week, Croaks. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I didn't windy. mention anything about how humid it was yesterday on that long run. We just had a downpour <laughs> and then I went out and it was like the sun just came oh, out. I'm like, oh. This put, is, that this is, there, put that in there. Chris. This is humid. This is humid for Canberra, but I didn't mention it. Still yeah. red for our floors. Um, but on the, but, but I, I guess as well, Moose. Like I don't know what you boys think about. So people like obviously on Strava often want their sessions to look good and and want you know, to run as fast as possible in sessions. And like I'm starting to think that maybe rather than doing every single session in super shoes, actually going back and just doing some like blue collar sessions in just old style sort of flats where yeah okay like your sessions might be five seconds a k slower 
but there's probably some physical benefit in terms of just maybe conditioning your legs a little bit more. So then yeah. when you actually get into a race, you run that five seconds a K faster because of the shoes or, or you know, you, you, you have somewhere to go from training to racing. Cause I remember back in the day, I used to have a pair of either racing flats or racing spikes that all I used, I only used them for races. And I would train in slightly heavier shoes. So then yeah. when you got to race day, you put something on and you're like, oh, my God, I feel way better than I do in training. Whereas now everybody's training in the same shoes that they race in. So there's no difference between training and racing. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah well, that's, that's always that psychological thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't agree. I don't think it's right. I think we like people's Achilles and calves and pop and, yeah, maybe long-term the conditioning thing is okay. But I think the results in the competitions we're seeing the records falling that's a result of people being able to train with less soreness and, and if you go back to running in those flats i reckon you're going to end up with that soreness again and your, your training's compromised i'm not saying doing it for every single session but like I'm, i reckon there's a, a time and a place to bring out an older an older style shoe um yeah yeah but anyway. yeah I, I agree i think that's where you can do stuff in the gym though as well like I, I don't. I never got the psychological thing about racing in in light shoes and training in heavy shoes. Um, oh, really? I, I used to love it. Like, oh yeah, it was always such a big difference for me. Like, just going, you know, what I'm training in. Like, you just feel better on race day. Like knowing that these were your special shoes that were a little bit lighter. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I, I mean, there was a lot of old school runners like that. Well, they were econ more economical. So your, your shoes are lighter and it's like one, every hundred grams is 1% more economical on average. And so if you're putting on a race shoe that's 200 grams less, that's 2%. And we're talking about an average of like 4% for these, um, these super shoes. So you were getting a benefit, no doubt. Uh, it wasn't just in your head. Mm. So maybe you think of the reason why you're putting those things in your notes. Who are you trying to please? What's your purpose of doing it? Yeah, and adjust your like adjust your adjust your expectation. Have a ch I, I am fully guilty of this. So part of why I'm worked up is because I've fucked at people's training before by giving them like idyllic marathon predictions and paces through training that they might be able to run on a perfect day somewhere. And and it's it's just so it just never happens. And so I think, like, I've, I've built people up for failure um, and they, they come out disappointed at the end when we're not hitting, like, the, the, the times that we've chatted about. And, and this is, like, that's something that definitely I'm changing in the future as a coach and an athlete. And I'm going, no, let's look at what the reality of this is. Um, if you can run these, like, let's just back stuff off. Let's look at what a more realistic time will be. Let's train to that. On the day, you feel good. Okay, brilliant. There's no reason you can't run faster on the day if it's perfect. But let's just not let's just not like all guns blazing for that. Hang on, but let's take like a three hour marathoner who you think can do it and they're showing indications in train and they can do it, so you set that. I think it's like four fifteen like K pace. Yeah, wouldn't you still I think. Yeah, whatever it is. Wouldn't you still do workouts at that pace to get comfortable with it and handle it? But then if the day's not good, then you actually adjust the race plan. Not well, you, you're not going to do, do, do sessions if it's 30 degrees at that at those paces. Like, 
No, no, no. But yeah. you still want to get them as fit as possible to get them in that maybe 259 shape. And then if it's a terrible day weather-wise on the day, you say, okay, that's not the day we go out 259. Let's go out 305 pace. You still yeah, want to get the athlete as fit as over, possible throughout the what, block. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying I, I'm overestimating their potential to run a marathon in the time that I'm suggesting. And I think a lot of people do, is that they – they, they may have seen someone else do it or they've got like one particular distance their pb is the same as someone else who's run a, their marathon in, in 220 and so all of a sudden they're like yeah i can run 220 he yeah. did it and 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 i'm just and and they go well why would i well i don't want to train at, at 325s i want to train at 320s per k because yeah. i know that like maybe i can do that and, and that's um, like comparison like, and that's what's happening on Strava. And that's a lot. And then we spoke about it privately all three of us last Friday. I think we were talking about like some marathon sessions and stuff like that and what can handle, what you can't handle. And, and I remember saying like marathon pace, that's a thing. Like no one knows it. And that was your response. You don't know it until after 42K. Yeah, find out at the end. <laughs> so we all do yeah. these massive blocks where I'm going to do everything at marathon pace for 10 weeks on my Saturday workout or whatever. But you, as you're saying, it could be the wrong pace. You're doing it for 10 weeks yeah. and then you're let down because you can't hit it on race day. I, I don't think I've run a um, I don't think I've run a marathon at the pace that I've actually trained during. I've always trained about two to five seconds slower in training as my marathon pace, and then I've run faster on the day. Which in is the- a good point to make because you've got the fatigue. Like remember, I was saying the other week when we did that. Um, when I was saying those three twenty fives felt a bit like hard but you're hitting those on tired legs. So they probably are 318s, 320s on race day when you're fresh off a two-and-a-half-week taper. Yeah, yeah. And look, it, that that's when marathons have gone well, that's happened. I'm not saying that's for every marathon, but in the past I've cooked it too by training too hard and having a poor race. And that's because, like, you're trying to hit these sessions, like you said, goal, idyllic, like, superstar day, and you're trying to do them on tired legs and everything's going poorly, and then you start trying to find excuses. Oh, it's warm, it's hilly, it was windy. And that's it's you can just see like disaster happening. I reckon if you find if if you find someone Strava and you look at maybe three or four of the, the long runs and the or the workouts and you find these comments like, Oh, it's really hot or this or that, then you're like, Okay, I don't I don't like what's happening here. I don't like their chances on the day. It's not the right mindset if they're making excuses with that stuff. If it's a common occurrence. Like, yeah, you can comment, oh, it was hot or it was this. What if you're doing good workouts in that stuff, though, and people just, like, jotting it down as, like, their like, training notes, like their diaries? Yeah, yeah, you can comment on it, but when you start when you start talking about, like, why your session was slower and bringing those things into it. Oh, gotcha, um, yeah. That's what I mean. And, I put and it when in it, mine as a flex last week, Croaks, because I did a good mod of fart like, and it was, like, 24K an hour wins. I was like, how's that, fellas? Good going. Anyway, yeah, so flexes that's, are... That's different. Yeah. But then you go back to that that comment, why are you putting that in there? Like, why, why, are, you putting are, you putting in, why in? are you putting in a flex like that? What are you chasing here, mate? You're a dickhead. <laughs> and I know, we talk, I know we talk about this every year around this time when the weather starts to warm up. Like, pretty much all my athletes will get it, like, you know, because obviously as coaches, we we generally give our athletes a bit of a pace guide. Like, it's part of the service, but... As we get into the hotter months, I basically send an email to the athlete saying, look, it's going to be hotter 
lower your expectations. So like over over the next four to five months, people's sessions are probably going to be slower than what they were doing like two months ago, but they might potentially be fitter during this next four months than what they were two months ago. But it's just you've got to adjust for the weather because if they keep trying to chase the times in training that they were doing when it was cold, they're just going to cook themselves every mm. single session. Yeah. So, yeah, you need to adjust. And, you know, and that's where the ego, you just, you know, you'll get rid of that and just go, you know what, I need, I need to still finish these sessions strong the way I was when it was cold. And if that means slowing down five seconds a K, 10 seconds a K, so be it. Yeah, um, yeah the, the fitness is going to be there when it, when, when it cools down or, you know, when you get those, those ideal conditions. Jeez, top five moose on the loose there, moose. I reckon in two hundred and ten episodes. Oh yeah, I got a kudos. I got to give kudos to Matt Gunther for this because he's he's been sending me screenshots, and we we screen we do it for each other when we see someone. No one's ever ever run a, a session where it's not windy lately. <laughs> it does like, get windier this time of the year, though, doesn't it? In Australia, isn't oh. November the windiest month? Yeah, windiest? it's always windy, mate. It's always windy, and it's always been hot. Yeah. It's always a bit humid. It's always wet, wet today. A bit humid, wet. It's slippery. Track underneath was a bit slippery. Grass track slowed me down, stuff like that. Yeah, I've yeah, good. Yeah. Um, let's thank some Patreon supporters, eh? We haven't done that yet, Croaks. We've been a bit all over the place tonight. Do you want to take yeah. us from the top? All right. I've got Miles Waring this week. Uh, Miles lives in the ACT at the moment. Uh, he's run 3.36 for the marathon at the Gold Coast. Um, which is obviously a rough day for him because he's run some pretty impressive times over the shorter distances, 358 for 1,500, 841, 3K, 1515 for 5 and 3245. Um, you actually met Miles in Mulligans uh, early, well, when was it, early 2020. Um, he and a few blokes were going for a run. Um and yeah, he represents Sydney University as well. So um, yeah, I actually did note, Brady wrote here that he hasn't been on Strava since April, but I checked before we jumped on. He actually rode his bike around Lake Burley Griffin yesterday. So hopefully that's the start of uh, his comeback into running. Um, yeah, so thanks for your support, Miles. Well, thanks, Miles. Got a photo Miles. on there with Croaks. That was nice of him. Yeah, uh, I didn't wear a shirt that day. You had the shirt off, yeah. He had the yeah. inside run singlet on though. No, that was another guy. Oh, was it? Yeah. Too many fans out there at Mulligan's. <laughs> um, I've got Jamie Norton. So Jamie's from London, England, run strong athlete, coached by Charlie Brenneman, who is a friend of the show, Charlie, because he listens. And um, anyway, 38, 33, 10K, 123 half marathon, 305 marathon recently at Berlin. Had a crack at sub three, but a bit hot. Oh. That's what he said on his <laughs> Jamie, <laughs> Jamie, we have to have a chat about it. <laughs> um, may, maybe has two kids. He does have good swagger on him. You can see that must that's that those three stripes, three blue, three, three blue Berlin stripes down the road. Um, yeah, he looks. What's that kit? I don't know what that kit is. Know, I've never seen either. But it's all matching, yeah. isn't it? From the head to the yeah, toes. Yeah, looks that good. Photo. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's looking pretty ripped too, isn't he, Jamie? Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, pretty good rig on him. Good on him. Good. Yeah, good tone and definition there. Looking at his watch though, Moose. Maybe just listen to the body in that photo. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's checking his heart rate. 
Maybe is because it's too hot and it's got too high. Maybe. Those... Good photo. Though. Good photo. Thanks for your support, Jamie. I'm going to thank Ben Fell from Singleton in WA. 18.44 for a park run at the Rockingham Park Run, 131 half marathon, 3.47 marathon at the Noosa Marathon. And maybe, so that'd be hot Noosa too, wouldn't it? That wouldn't be too fun, running a marathon in Noosa. In the hot, morning, humid. it's pretty good. Is it? Is it good yeah. up there? Sometimes, like, when we were up there, we were getting days that were like 10 degrees. Oh, the really? Oh. It's beautiful. I thought it was hotter than that. That would have been beautiful then, Ben. Um, maybe 4.44 for a 70.3 Ironman as well. Hope I've got the right Ben fell there, Ben. Hopefully those times match up to you. Thank you for your support. All the other legends over there on Patreon. If uh, this show brings you value, you can sign up and support us there. I did have, we did have an iTunes review as well, fellas, asking if there's a way to support us without um, being on Patreon. And there's a couple of different ways. We've always got like a PayPal link in our show notes if you want to make a donation there or like buy a merch is probably the other thing that's um, a good way to support the show as well. So if your Patreon's not your thing, a couple of other options. That's about it, isn't it? I think so. We don't have anything else, Crocs, do we? Or the Money Man at the Inside Running Podcast? No, I think that's there are plenty of, plenty of good ways to support the show there. Yeah, buy some merch, look good and support the show. Anyway, fellas, next up, shoe review. Haven't done one of these for a while. The Brooks Adrenaline GTS 22. A big thanks to Brooks for sending us a pair of these shoes. I think pretty early, Moose. They don't come out till December. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, they were originally slated for November, but, you know, a lot of delays going on. Delays at the wharfs, delays in the Suez Canal. Canal, not canal. Um, canal. <laughs> and uh, shipment, like, obviously, production issues in Vietnam. But, yeah, they're getting here. December, but it means that we've been um, we've been rolling some sort of prototypes for a while. I've enjoyed them too. It's a solid shoe, like just a I don't know, a trusted. Is that the right word? You know. Absolutely. That's yeah. Go, that's that's pretty much bread and butter for the the adrenaline is is go to support shoe. So it's like it's it's been in the industry now twenty two years. It's it's one of the um, resilient models because you know they're always looking to chop and change and and the adrenaline used to like back when i started working this was the biggest selling running shoe in uh run specialty in the u.s was the brooks adrenaline uh so it it's been a huge player in the industry over the years and used to be a very strong sort of support shoe it used to have from back right in the back of the heel on the inside um, of the shoe right through to almost the the base of the metatarsal heads, it had a pretty strong post in it. So it was one of the most supportive shoes that there was. But um, when it turned from the, I think it was the 18 to the 19, so the Brooks Adrenaline 19, they got rid of the medial support feature and they've turned to their guide rail system. And um, it really changed, changed a lot about how the shoe functions. Mm, so what exactly does it change? Well, instead, softer? No. yeah, it does. It was softer. It's smoother. So instead of having a hard lump of foam on the inside of your shoe, uh, it, it, they created like a, um, well, the way they describe it, it's like a bumper bowling type system where there's a guide rail on the lateral heel. So if someone's landing on the outside of their shoe, if a shoe is too soft, okay, like they can sink and fall off the outside of the shoe. This, the idea behind the guide rail there is to help control that foot and not let it supinate too much when it lands. And then as we pronate and roll onto sort of the middle or the inside of our foot,
foot through the gait cycle, um, the guide rail on the medial side is just designed to sort of uh, control any type of excessive movement as well or eversion. So, yeah, that's the idea behind the guide rail system. And it's probably a bit more dynamic in how it functions than an old medial post, which was like, uh, I guess, there. And, and it used to it used to overcorrect a lot of people. So if you didn't need that support, it would shift you laterally. We don't see that with the new versions of this shoe. It's a, it's a lot more um, user-friendly. So it's I'm trying to summarise this. So it's stable but not too restrictive. Like yeah, it's still exactly. using the sport but it's not going to – yeah, okay. So anyone can put it on or, or yeah. people still – who people still looking for support it's for or anyone? Who you fit this with? The Well, the argument would be that – if you if you were a, if you didn't require that those those stable elements through the the um, guide rails that you would wear one of the neutral shoes from Brooks so either the Brooks Ghost or or the Glycerin perhaps um, but I've never seen the adrenaline since the 19 since it came out with the guide rail system overcorrect anybody so for me it just feels a little more solid than the the neutral shoes the neutral range. And I appreciate that. Like I feel more, more, more grounded. Uh, might feel like a bit more shoe than wearing some of the others, but like for me, I, I appreciate that. I, I like a more supportive type, um, solid feel underneath. Yeah, you've been wearing it much, Crocs. Yeah, I'd, I've had two runs in it. So first one was last week for that run for resilience, where you come in we we're at four oh fours, and then again today um, through Mulligans at four oh nines and. Like, one thing I'm really loving about shoe technology at the moment is, like, I, I used to always run in neutral shoes, and occasionally I would get, like, a little bit of tib post pain, which would, I guess, indicate that I probably need, like, a little bit more stability. And any time I'd go into a real stability shoe, I'd just feel like I'm running in bricks, whereas a few of the shoes that we've been running in lately, including this one, it's like I haven't had any tib post pain because I've been running in these more supportive shoes but also I feel like I can run fast in them still, which I never felt that way in previous shoes, um, which I, I think is great. Um, so I don't know if it's that sort of what's happening with these shoes, Moose. Um, probably. I mean, every foam's evolving over time. So this new model gets like DNA loft throughout the shoe and DNA loft is, is like a pretty spongy type, not as, bouncy as some of those super foams but it's it's a little bit more exciting than some of the old traditional dull evas out there and and so you will be getting a little more back um for, than than like this type of model would have 10 years ago yeah. uh but i like there's a safe shoes out there i think we still need our safe shoes like you mentioned that you're getting those tib post pains and if you if you do all your running in a shoe like the Brooks Aurora, which we got on for the other podcast, or the, the, the Nike Invincible Gel Nimbus Light from ASICS, I feel like you can be in soft shoes too often, and sometimes you just need to put on that stable, safe shoe and, and just maybe reduce a little bit of more movement, just like underfoot when your foot lands. A more stable base can sometimes um, unload like those intrinsic muscles and all the stabilizers. And yeah. This has got a higher rotation in my, like, on my easy days, like my 60-minute or my second, like, run of the day, the 35-minute one. 
just put this in nice safe shoe different from like especially when i've done a workout in the morning different for those like super spongy ones and just it's just a i don't know it just seems like a bit of a workhorse shoe like it's nothing mm. special just very trusted put it on and i don't even second guess it at all so if there's a few there's a few shoes in our store that have just the most loyal customers who come in and say uh, bring, they come in wearing their shoes or they bring them in and go, yeah, I just want another one of these, please. And you you go, oh, yeah, do you want to try anything else or uh, do you want to compare it with their others? And they're like, no, I just want another one of these. Okay, new model and like, don't care, just one more of the thing. They try <laughs> right. it on or just take them straight off? Just take them straight Normally away. just pick them up. That's yeah. the, the real loyalists, they don't care. Like they're just getting that shoe. And the adrenaline is definitely one of those. Like if, if we took the adrenaline out of the store, you'll have some pretty upset people. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, it's all it's pretty um well known shoe too, isn't it? Like and obviously if you're doing twenty two editions of anything, there's a lot of success behind it yeah. to be able to keep it going that long. So yeah, massive thanks to Brooks for the uh adrenaline GTS twenty two. I think we're going to have some stuff on our social media pages the next couple of days or weeks to be able to show the listeners, tell the listeners how they can get their hands on them early. So keep an eye on our social media. For that and Brooks social media coming up. We finished the show this week, fellas. What else we got to go? List of question. Mm, list of question. Do, you want do we have time? Oh, it's been like We've already been going like for two hours. An hour forty. Yeah. Why don't we do them next week? Yeah, we, yeah. There's some good ones in here, actually. I reckon we should, or we could even do a little bonus one for Patreon because a lot of these questions have come from Patreon supporters. Okay. Let's do that. Even we'll see what happens if we can catch up between now and the end of the week. I'm pretty busy, I don't know about you two fellas. But anyway, yeah, we'll see what happens. Even if we just go light on our recaps next week and do a couple of listener questions, we'll figure something out. But yeah, we've got to go to bed. What's going up, Croaks? Uh, at the Stromlo tomorrow afternoon for the first, well, I think they had a bit of a breakaway group session last Tuesday. But um, yeah, those Tuesday sessions are back. Uh, so I'll be out at Stromlo. Uh, and then, yeah, hopefully get this treadmill put together by Wednesday because um, we're expecting a shitload of rain on Friday. So I might be doing a, a treadmill tempo on Friday, I reckon. Yeah, it's going to rain like from Wednesday onwards, oh, isn't it? It's like, like four or five four, days. 40, 50 mils on Friday or something. So they're the days where treadmill tempos are perfect. Uh, reckon you can get, I reckon you can calibrate it where it looks like you're running 250s for your tempo pace too. <laughs> Like and that, but I don't really care what the treadmill says. Like, I, like I'll just put my heart rate strap on and hit that one sixty to one sixty four, and I don't really care what the, you know. Even if the treadmill's not calibrated, it's more yeah. about just effort than anything for the treadmill. Same with my easy runs. Like, I'll, can, yeah. I yeah, you can chuck the um, chuck the incline up, and it just yeah. takes a little bit more load off the body too, because you're sort of you're going uphill. You're not really coming down with as much impact. Yeah. Treadmill chat, Moose. What are you doing? Uh, off to work tomorrow. Got actually going to do a little threshy tomorrow morning, um, and then so it's going to be a real introduction. I've got a sore back. I've had a bad back for like two weeks now. It's really killing me. Oh, but, so you got that electric massager thing for your back? Yeah, it's not working. It's yeah. not. I it's need to buy that. something. Something. Anyone got any things they and can now, sell me? And now, and now he's going to tell us that the kid's not sleeping either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't you have a snoop? Hey, how is your child? Good. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. Yeah, she's good. She's what five weeks now, and so she can um, she can see me now. That's pretty cool. It all changes <laughs> yeah. when they can see her. Oh boy, they're not just like a little kind of baby doll. They like interact with you a bit more. It's pretty special when like 
you look down and they smile back at you. Yeah, that is get, oh. get woke, don't they? It's like they just yeah. All of yeah, a sudden, it's just weird like, thing. It's the best. It but is even, like yeah. You look. We were looking back at Hudson like five weeks old today, and but even then they they, they change so quick. And become so much more like a person. We're looking at these going, oh, remember when he was like that? He couldn't do anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, it's just, yeah, it just keeps happening so quickly. That's good. What are you it up does. to, Brady? Working croaks. Busy time at the moment down here, writing reports. Pregnant wife in the middle of a marathon build-up. So, yeah, bits Big going session on. this week? Uh, Kenyan Fartlek Wednesday. Meant to be pretty windy and stuff as well. So, look out for me Strava notes there. Hot and then, hot um, windy. Hot, windy. Meant to be windy. Meant to be Humid. windy. Even if it isn't, it's going to be windy in my Strava notes. Um, and then I've been saying this for a few weeks, but the Matt Clowes special for the mile on mile float on Sunday. So, yeah. just Matt Clowes special? The Matt Clowes special, yeah. You're still giving him credit for that. Yeah, you got to give him credit for that. So I nearly, on their podcast the other week, I nearly won their um, Strava leaderboard in the segment. Did you hear that? Come second. Yeah, I heard, I heard your name. I love getting a shout out on that show. How do you feel? How do you feel, Moose? That Brady for the last eight weeks, every week's gone. Oh yeah, no, I picked this session from my Rotterdam prep, Moose, and now he's jumped ship right at the business end of the season for one of uh, Clousey's sessions. Well, Rotterdam didn't go great for him, Brad. So (laughs) probably not a bad idea. He needs to find something different. Rotterdam got cancelled, you dickhead. What are you talking about? (laughs) Oh, was another one that you're a global pandemic happened. Every every other one on there. Moose, that is. That was, that was the one I was going to break through finally. Uh, now, I've had, now I've had two years off. Didn't you do uh, some other marathon in Europe? No, nah, Berlin with you. Oh, no, it was that one in Japan. Japan one yeah, there. that one didn't yeah. go real well. Yeah. 221 that day. You just went over there to get on national TV. No, nah, that was Nobioka, that one. 221 at that one as well. Jeez, it was bloody windy that day. That was 45k wins that day. <laughs> Solo, gun to tape. You ask Wayne Allard next time you're talking to him how windy it was that day. That would have been 216 if it wasn't windy that day. Oh, yeah. And my iron was pretty low as well. Anyway, I'm going to go to bed. Oh, yeah. All right. How far what? No, nah, we'll, we'll talk about it closer to the, the race. <laughs> what, Melbourne? No, I'm not going to ask you yet. Don't ask Hold me. your horses. Do you reckon you'd be right to pace by then? I'd be right to nearly win by then. I reckon you can get in shape. You and Andy Buchanan off the front, Tommy DeCano, throwing down Brett Robinson. I reckon oh. you can take those three. Yeah, I've got the fastest PB out of that. Oh, no, maybe not Brett. Maybe Brett could have got me by a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Just a All few right, minutes. Guys. All right, See you next week. See ya. See ya. This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is brought to you by Brooks. You can feel confident wearing Brooks knowing they're running specialists with over 100 years' experience in the footwear game. They test running insights and biomechanics with runners of every size, strength, and experience to develop premium running products so you can run further, faster, and happier. Just show love to everyone you meet. Doesn't matter if